You're listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go, a podcast that'll change how you think and change your life. I'm Willie Horton and I'm a psychologist. I've been helping people change their lives since 1996. Broadcasting from the French Alps and delighted to have you along. Let's take this week's step in the right direction. Back in the dim and distant past, I used to have open workshops in a variety of different nice, quiet places in and around Dublin and out in the suburbs of London. This is before we moved to France. It's not long after I started working for myself first. And I recollect one particular occasion when there were seven people in a workshop. It was a two-day workshop at the time. And like most of the workshops I've ever done, I sent all the participants out to do what could loosely be described as a walking meditation. Now, I was borrowing from, in certain respects, Thich Nhat Hanh's meditation, going for a walk, to go for a walk. But my workshop participants were given a particular set of instructions. They were told to go out and see, feel, hear, smell and taste where they were. And when their mind wandered, as inevitably it would, to come back to the first, the primary of the five senses, to see, to see, feel, hear, smell and taste where they were. Off each of them went individually for a 15 or 20 minute stroll. Out around the area, around the golf club that we were sitting in, obviously not on the golf course, didn't want anybody being hit by a golf ball. And gradually, after 15 minutes or so, everybody came back into the room. And we talked for a while about their experiences. Now, that's a whole different story, which we'll talk about at some other point in time. I want to make a particular point in relation to this particular story today. We were chatting away for about 15 or 20 minutes when one of the guys said, when are we having a cup of coffee? I said, we'll have a cup of coffee, you know, in about another 20, 30 minutes. He said, okay, all right. A couple of minutes later, he said, I'd, I'd love that cup of coffee now. And I said to him, what's, what's wrong? Can you not wait another few minutes? He said, well, the funny thing is, he said, it didn't taste like anything much at the time, but I can't get the taste of ivy out of my mouth. And everybody in the room looked around at him and said, what are you talking about? He said, well, I went out for the walk. He said, and I could see the clouds. He said, I could feel the heat of the sun on my forehead. I could hear the hum of the tires of the cars and obviously the engines of the cars going past on the road. He said, and I could smell the fumes. He said, but I, I had no discernible taste in my mouth. He said, so I decided to stop and pull a piece of ivy off a hedge and chew on it. He said, the funny thing is that as I did it, two elderly ladies who were sitting in the bay window of their house, taking afternoon tea, looked up in horror to see a man chewing on their hedge. One of the other guys in the group said, well, the bizarre thing is, I think one of them had a heart attack soon after. He said, because I was obviously not too far behind you, although I didn't see you doing it, I chewed on the same hedge. I said, 
what's going on here? I said, nobody told you to go out and start eating people's shrubbery. And they said, well, we couldn't get a taste in our mouth. Now, the interesting thing is that this exercise had taken place a little while after lunch. Everybody had eaten. Some of them perhaps brushed their teeth afterwards. I don't know. But everybody had a taste in their mouth, a residual taste of the food they had eaten or the cleaning that they had given their mouth. But they couldn't tune into it. And, of course, the reason they couldn't tune into it was they weren't used to paying attention to what their senses were telling them. I bet you, just as you're sitting here now listening to this, or if you're out walking, perhaps listening to it, if you run the tip of your tongue along your teeth, you'll find it difficult to get a taste that you can latch your attention onto. Because as human beings... Unfortunately, we have become divorced from our five senses. Yeah, we see, feel, hear, smell and taste stuff all of the time, but it's easy to see, feel, hear, smell and taste the big stuff. You know, if you dropped a concrete block on your foot, it wouldn't be too difficult to become fully aware of the pain because it's a gross sensation. It's an in-your-face, or in this case, on-your-foot sensation. But what about the little sensations that our bodies are feeding back to us all of the time? Because the subtler the sensations into which we tune, the more we develop our ability to become increasingly aware in the moment. That's why I say to people when we're doing meditations together that they really need to tune into the subtler stuff. Because ultimately, when we meditate, we're tuning into the subtlest sensations of all in and on and around our body. And that is the fact that we are, as we know from previous conversations, just vibrating energy. I recollect sending another group of people out individually to go for a walk after lunch around a square in Georgian Dublin. I was working with a leadership team for those couple of days and they walked out after lunch around the square that they often walked around after lunch. They came back in and one of the guys said to me, he said, I've done that walk hundreds of times. He said, but this is the first time ever I noticed a little plaque on the railings of the park in the square and I can't remember what the details were, but it was the first time he'd noticed this. And the plaque had been put there in 1842. He said, how did I not see it before? I said, you weren't paying attention. In all probability, like most normal crazy people, he went out for his walk after lunch buried in his thoughts. Like most of us are buried in our thoughts most of the time, blissfully unaware that we are buried in our thoughts. In exactly the same way, again, many, many years ago, I got a phone call one morning from a client in Dublin, and he said to me, Willie, he said, I'm so excited. He said, I woke up this morning, threw open the window, and I could hear the birds singing. I said, John, the birds sing every morning. It's just that you have now chosen to give them your Undivided attention. Now, there is a very important phrase, undivided attention. Because when we use our minds normally, we cannot 
give undivided attention to anything because our ability to pay attention is always fragmented. And a fragmented mind will always stumble, fall and fail again and again and again. In order to achieve anything at all of any consequence in this life, we need to be single-minded, which is obviously quite the opposite of having a fragmented mind. This, as I said a moment ago, is it's actually impossible when we use our mind normally, because our normal mind, our normal thinking mind, is designed to pay attention to the past and the future and miss the present. That's how we could go out for a walk and completely miss a plaque that has been there for a couple of hundred years. That is how we could throw open the windows every morning and not hear the birds that are singing right in our face. And it is how we would be reduced to chewing someone's hedge to see if we had a taste in our mouth. Now, you may say to yourself, what's the point of all this? What is the point of my friend actually seeing a plaque that was of no consequence because it was obviously put there for somebody who had lived or died or was loved or lost back in 1842 or whenever. What was the point? What's the relevance of that? It is irrelevant, you might say. You'd be wrong. You'd be completely wrong because the relevance of it is that we develop our ability to pay attention to the reality of what we're experiencing in the here and now when it doesn't matter, in other words, going for a walk like that, so that we're fully tuned in when it does matter. I told a story a couple of months ago in this podcast about a girl who, during lockdown, being restricted in relation to the number of miles she could travel from her house, walked the same route day in, day out for months on end. In her own words, she probably took that identical walk a couple of hundred times over the ensuing months. And then one Friday evening, it occurred to her that she would love to get individual dance lessons. I'm not going to go into the details. There's no point. And anyway, it's none of your business. It's her business. And doing that same walk the following day, she, a little bit like my friend in Fitzwilliam Square, in Dublin, looked up and saw a notice that was always there. But in this case, it was absolutely pinpoint relevant because it provided her with the information that she needed and the telephone number, contact details, to start getting individual dance lessons. A coincidence? Not a coincidence, a random event, certainly not a random event. Life can seem random at times, but actually when we are tuned in in the right way, and I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment, apparently random events lead us in the direction that we most dearly would love our lives to go. When we start seeing plaques that have been there on the railings for 180, 190 years, when we start hearing the birds singing, they are the first signs, the first little green shoots of our own awareness. Awareness is everything. Awareness will enable you live the kind of life that you would love to live. Those little green shoots produce the first buds 
of awareness. It's interesting. One of the first things that anybody with whom I have ever worked has said to me afterwards is that I have begun to realize how mad everybody is around me, how outrageous people's behavior is, whether it is in a supermarket queue where people are jostling each other or people fighting over a car parking space in the supermarket car park when the next aisle of the car park is completely empty and available, or whether people shouting at each other on the road or indeed husbands and wives shouting at their children or one of the things that we most often see here during either the summer season or the ski season is people who are out to enjoy themselves and have paid good money to do so are shouting and screaming at each other, losing the head, getting stressed out trying to enjoy themselves. This is one of the first things that we notice when we become aware. The madness around us, the circus that is normal crazy people. Then we begin to become aware of the fact that from time to time, we are that soldier. And indeed, we may reflect on the fact that for years of our adult life, we weren't just part of the circus, we were probably the circus clown. We were normal and crazy. So when we do step back, it is an education. Yes, it can be an entertainment, but basically it is an education. It is a dawning on us through awareness of the fact that I was part of the mad herd of people who like to be part of the mad herd of people because in evolutionary times, there was safety in numbers. It was safer to be part of the herd. Through this awareness, the awareness, as I said, of the madness of other people, the awareness of the birds singing, we develop an ability to be self-aware. And this is where the real magic happens. Because the minute I begin to become aware of who I actually am, rather than who I thought I was as a result of my thinking mind operating on automatic pilot, the minute that happens, I begin to realize, understand, and experience that rather than being a normal, crazy lunatic who's not in control of my own state of mind, I can begin to make choices moment to moment that will enable me move forward in the right direction. Let's go back to the simple choices that I mentioned a couple of minutes ago. The birds singing. As I said to my friend, the birds are singing every morning. This morning, you chose to listen to the birds. You actually chose to hear the birds. On the day my friend walked around Fitzwilliam Square in Dublin, he chose to pay attention. And as I've said before in these conversations, on that day, he, for the first time in his adult life, took control of that to which he gave his attention or that to which he paid attention. Or if I can put it in psychological terms, for the first time in his adult life, he took control of where he shone his attentional spotlight. Now, the attentional spotlight is used in psychology for particularly descriptive reasons, but it has a major appeal and attraction from where I'm sitting, because when you turn on your attentional spotlight, it will literally illuminate the way forward for you. 
In other words, we begin through the choices that we make to pay attention moment to moment. We begin to become fully aware of what is happening, fully aware in the moment of the choices that I have moment to moment, and fully aware of what feels like the right choice to make. But something else is going on too, and it's something we've talked about over the course of the last couple of months, and it is something in particular that I talked about with my online program owners a couple of weeks ago. Synchronicity. Because obviously there's a load of stuff going on around us all of the time. Am I saying to you that when we turn on our attention and spotlight and when we tune ourselves in to the present moment and when we come to our senses, when we are really seeing, feeling, hearing, smelling and tasting what is going on, am I saying to you that we become aware of everything that is going on in the moment? And the answer clearly is no. We simply do not have the brain power to process everything that is going on in the moment. There are so many pieces of information being fed into our bodies through our sight, our hearing, our feeling and our smelling and tasting systems, if I can put it like that. We simply don't have the brain power to process that. So how do we know what to pay our attention to, and how do we know what we can let pass us by? It all comes down to your intentions. I asked a group of long-standing clients a couple of weeks ago what their intentions were. And we had a long conversation about it because there was I sitting here thinking that it was actually a simple enough question. But one of the guys asked me, are you asking me what I intend to do? In other words, what action I intend to take. In other words, what plan of action I have in place. In other words, what project plan I have. And my answer was clearly no. Because again, at the risk of repeating myself, I think I've said this a few weeks in a row at this stage, if you want to make God laugh, tell her your plans. That's not what I'm talking about at all. What I'm talking about is the gut feeling of the kind of life I would love to live, the kind of life that if all my intentions came to pass, I'd be in that kind of flow. When we have a sense of the direction in which we want our life to go, we begin to feed additional information to our own attentional spotlight as to that to which it should pay attention. So in other words, it will miss most of what is going on moment to moment, even when we have decided to pay attention to what is going on moment to moment, simply because of the lack of brain power, as I said a minute ago. And it will spot the things that we, as a result of having those intentions in our own heart, it will spot those things that are relevant to the situation in which I find myself in the context of the direction in which I want my life to go. Let me put it, <laughs> let me put it in simpler terms. A synchronicity, in other words, something that happens or some person that I bump into to lead me forward, a synchronicity is only a synchronicity because it's an opportunity that I recognize as a synchronicity because I have a sense of the direction in which I want my life to travel. And therefore, when we do become increasingly aware, we become aware of what matters to us. 
Now, it's not what we think matters to us. In other words, we will become aware of stuff that we would never have become aware of in the past when we were using our thinking minds. We will become aware of stuff that gives us an understanding a sense or actually a gut feeling of what is right to do now or even which way is right to turn at the next junction or what shop I should go into. Or as I said to you recently when we were talking about how this part of our mind guides us towards the best things in life for us, when I was talking about somebody who had a dietary problem, the attentional spotlight guided by an understanding or our intentions of the kind of life we would like to live, will literally almost control our hand with regard to what we pick up off a supermarket shelf and what we put back on the supermarket shelf in relation to what is good for us, what we think we'd like, and what is clearly bad for us. Now, actually, now that I say that, that is a microcosm. That is a snapshot of how this whole thing actually works. And I'll recount the story again because it is worth recounting. I had a client who was suffering from Lyme disease. She was a dietitian, and as a dietitian, she knew better than most people as to what foods or drinks would encourage an improvement in her condition or, alternatively, stuff that she would consume that would make matters worse. And it was like she was out of control. Actually, she was using her mind normally when I met her first. So she actually was out of control. She would go out in the evening with her friends and order a burger and chips or fries, whatever you want to call them, because that is the kind of thing that her normal mind always ordered automatically. And then she found herself getting to the point that between the time she had read the menu and salivated at the prospect of another burger, her mind would have taken control of her because she was now clear in her mind and literally taken control of that which she ordered from the waitress. She'd order something healthier. She actually said to me that after a few weeks, I would be pushing a supermarket trolley up the aisles and it's like some other part of me was controlling my hand. My hand would grab something off the supermarket shelf and suddenly my hand would put it back and I'd be directed to something that I actually knew deep down was better for me than the stuff I was automatically choosing. And I had automatically been choosing all of my adult life as a result of my operating on autopilot, being one of the normal crazy people. And even in that context, that experience of her and the realization that she had been one of the normal crazy people in the way in which she had automatically been eating and drinking that provided her with the entertainment that i was talking about earlier on but it's not entertainment it's an education it is a learning what is the key point that i want to get across in today's session it is this really simply awareness of the apparently insignificant, like the plaque that was erected in 1842 or the bird singing. Awareness of the apparently insignificant enables us to develop our awareness of the significant. And because our thinking minds don't know the difference between what is significant and insignificant, because they are our thinking minds rather than our being and doing minds, an increasing awareness of the apparently insignificant brings 
us to an awareness of the significance of the insignificant and how in the twinkling of an eye on the turn of our heel our lives can change as a result of noticing something that was possibly there all the time or noticing something that is just happening now as a result of my being a player in the universe that gives me the coincidences and the synchronicities that I want. Because I am not just when I am aware and present. I am not just being carried along by the flow of the universe. I'm not just being carried along by flow, as the University of Chicago would have it. I am a creator, a co-creator of the flow that is actually happening moment to moment. That when I open my eyes, ears, nose and throat, when I open all those orifices, when I become present, when I come to my senses, I realize through my immersion in the reality of the here and now, that which I need give all of my attention to now, my undivided mind to now, as a result of which I will recognize the importance of the apparently insignificant, and my own gut instinct will inform me, having recognized the significance of the moment, as to what I need to do effortlessly to move forward. There's an important point I've just made there. All this is effortless once you get your head straight. It sounds awful complicated, as friends of mine in from British Columbia to Tucson, Arizona would say. It sounds a bit woo-woo. It sounds a bit out there. But we've covered the science before. You know, owners of the online program, as I mentioned, on many occasions have access to all of the science behind something that works effortlessly when we get our heads right. So ultimately, ultimately, the lesson from today's episode is even simpler than I have been complicating for the last 20 minutes or so. To live the life I would love to live effortlessly, all I have to do is turn up to it in the here and now. We know from previous conversations how we do that. We know that meditation is the only scientifically validated way we have of even turning on the attentional spotlight that I was talking about earlier on, never mind pointing it in the right direction to enable us move forward. The science is utterly, utterly undeniable and convincing. All you need to do is sit down for half a dozen minutes every morning and turn yourself on. As a result of which you will turn on your attentional spotlight, as a result of which you will restructure your attentional spotlight, as a result of which you will restructure the doing part of your brain, which will enable you, as I said earlier on, simply do what you need to do moment to moment to get to where you want to go. So you have only really one choice to make in life, the choice to do the one right thing that leads to everything else. Take control of your own state of mind by meditating, as a result of which you can begin to exercise the key choice that we all need to make moment to moment every day, the choice to be here. You've been listening to To Succeed, Just Let Go. To get involved, join me in my Facebook group, strangely enough called To Succeed, Just Let Go. And for more information, visit www.willie-horton.ie.